Welcome to the Pitching Command Show, brought to you by Command Tracker, the smart target that MLB and D1 teams rely upon to measure and train command. Many throw hard, but few command. Visit commandtracker.com. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, joining today's podcast is my friend Justin Willard, the Twins minor league pitching coordinator. Welcome, Justin. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Yeah, really excited, Wayne, to get on the show with you. You started your career in baseball as a pitching coach at Radford for five years. And then you went to the Twins as a pitching coach for two years. You were the assistant pitching coordinator for a year, and then you got promoted to become the Twins pitching coordinator now for three years. That's a big jump. Yeah, it's been an exciting journey. A lot Learned from a lot of people along the way. And uh, one of your other friends, Pete Mackey, is now our big league pitching coach. and got the following issues, and it, it's been a great journey so far. Well, yeah, because I, I work with Pete when he was at Duke, and then he, became, he he took your job at Twins, and uh, now he's a major league pitching coach. And it's funny, I know so many guys from college or minor leagues that it's funny how many major league pitching coaches I know now. I can imagine. You know? I can imagine, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I like that kind of company. So hopefully you're going to be one soon. I saw your pitcher, Jordan Carr. He's done great in the AFL. What has driven his success? Yeah, Jordan's, uh, first of all, if you know Jordan, he is the ultimate competitor, wants the ball, wants to go out there and pitch, wants to compete. Um, obviously, there's some development stuff we built. We continue to want to push with him in terms of like velocity and things like that. But his ability to mix and control his pitches in the strike zone is incredible. And, and ultimately, like most of our pitchers, we really push maximizing your strengths and using your arsenal to get to your strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's, a big, that. yeah, that's a really big one for me is uh, I, I talk a lot about knowing who you are, uh, knowing what you're good at, and then working to become great at it, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's with the twins here. That's kind of our, our core principle, number one, know yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Sonny Gray, what a turnaround. I mean, what did you guys do with him? Was that you or Pete McKay or both of you? What, what was going on there? Yeah, no, Sonny's an interesting cat. Again, you want to talk about the ultimate competitor. It's incredible to to be around him and, and go see how he goes about his work. It's a great, um, great environment for younger players to watch what it's supposed to look like. Um, but ultimately, like I think all the credit goes to Sonny. He came in better prepared this year than he ever has. So when spring training showed up, we could actually get to work and, and really kind of hone in his abilities to to execute and, and collect outs, right? At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. How can we get to 27 as quickly as possible? Wow. Hey, uh, the reason I started this show was everyone always talks about max velocity. And uh, I wanted to kind of talk about the other qualities that a pitcher needs to succeed, like uh, uh, control, command, sequencing, movement, mental training, character. And I also found that in, in baseball, there's a lot of slang. So when I say command, some other people might say locating. Uh, some people might say executing or, or quality strikes. And I wanted people to know that those are all words for command so that uh, they know what we're talking about. Like if we're talking about command, we're not talking about just throwing strikes. Uh, we're talking about locating your pitchers in or out of the zone. Uh, how do you view command and how do you view, view control? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I love your definition. I have a slightly a slightly different one that's a little more personal to me. I view uh, control specifically as kind of the movement variability in each pitch. 
right? If you look at, like, I'm sure most of your audience has access to movement plots, right? Uh, you look at Justin Verlander, he's got a very, very tight cluster in all of his pitches. DeGrom, kind of the same way. Sonny, Pablo, when you're looking at the upper echelon, very, very tight. So where they right. know how their ball is going to consistently move. And then when I talk about command, I think about different levels or tiers of command. It's like, first of all, can you get it in the strike zone? And then, cool, can we get to the areas where these pitches are maximized in certain counts? Yeah, I, I, I think of it that way, too. You remember in the command tracker, I made those definitions of command levels? Yeah. Because, uh, like, uh, a 12U pitcher might have the entire target, and, you know, a pro guy would have one square on the target, you know? And you can't com- you can't compare command between a, a high school guy and a pro guy with the same area of command, like you're saying, you know. Yeah. And and I wanted to make something that was standardized so you can compare the command level of pitchers because I don't think it was really a good way to do that before, or or how did you do that before? So yeah, we've we've developed a few different tools with the twins. Um, the hardest thing we've run into is just tracking that over time um, mm-hmm. with objective measurements. And that's where like this tool really comes into play. It's, it's first of all, allows us to gamify the process of command. And additionally, again, allows us to track over time to see if some of these interventions we introduce really impacts that player's skill level. Yeah. That's what I, I was looking for with the target too, is something that was objective. Cause like when I worked with uh, my son using a similar target, uh, we had to go by sight and video and it's really deceptive because like I've used video with even my new target and you think it hits number five, but if you really go close, it's one square below it. So sometimes when you you're looking at where the ball hit or even on video, it's more subjective because the guy says, I think it hit seven, but really it hit five, you know, and with the target, uh, the command tracker, if it says it hit five, it hit five. You know, there's yep. no one, no two ways about it. You know, no, that's that's definitely the most exciting part about this tool is really objective, objective measuring of where it hit, and then yeah, quantifying that over over time is is just something we're really excited about, kind of taking the next step in. Yeah, I, like pro teams and facilities. One of the big one I I didn't realize was what you just mentioned. Uh, when they're trying to chart. All, all these bullpens and you got 20 pitchers a day or something. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of work. So it does save you a lot of work, you know, uh, sure. the other thing I like to touch on is <clears throat> there are much more advanced things you can do with command rather than just control. For example, I talk about claiming the, uh, the entire plate of uh, funneling or put away pitches, pitch outs, uh, pitching to a scouting report, like executing a plan. Uh, what do you think about a pitcher can do with command that they couldn't do with control? I think if, again, to revert back to your definition of, of command versus control, I think command really allows you to open up different avenues of attack plans um, versus like some guy might just be bad at a certain pitch. It's like, hey, we don't really need to be that fine with your location, just go and attack versus other guys might be good at a certain pitch but it might have a hole somewhere where it's like, okay, we can expose them if we can get here and understanding our athletes kind of level skill level is super important there, but Hey, you can get in here to get back to your weapon. I, I remember, I won't say the guy's name. It was at a college. Uh, he was throwing 95 and 
he was lamenting that he wasn't having any results. Couldn't get guys out. Hmm. He's throwing 95. And so he asked me. I had been looking at the team's data, and I could see he had no put-away pitch. All he had was a 95-mile-hour fastball. And I told him, you need something that's either a, a speed change or something with more movement, especially when you put a guy away. So I noticed guys get to 95 uh, at high velo only, and they don't work on off-speed pitches or, or movement. They get to a point where they can get two strikes, a foul or a strike, and then they're in trouble. Now you got a 10-pitch at bat of foul, foul, foul. You know, uh, so I think command comes into play there too because now if you have 95, well, if you can command it, you can kind of do different things that you couldn't do with just control. Yep. You know, even if, if you have a day where your off-speed isn't working, right? Because you know with your pitchers, uh, one of the things you have to learn as a pitcher is that, okay, uh, you're not going to have all your weapons every day. doesn't happen. Uh, so how do, you, how do you compete with what you have that day, right? For sure. Yep. Uh, Bronson Arroyo had an interesting thing he talked about on the show uh, uh, last week. What he talked about was uh, working on throwing soft. Hmm. And what he meant by that was like commanding it in a bullpen or something and trying to throw his 90 – mile an hour sinker trying to throw it at 85 or 83 and get the same shape and that kind of helped him hone his command but get more feel for the pitch and then the odd offshoot of that was he said one of the things made Bronson great was that he had taken pitches and made two pitches out of them so he had his sinker he had his high velo sinker and his lower velo sinker uh you know, that, that's another level of command, too, I would say. For sure, especially as you age and your, your tools and your stuff starts to degrade. Yeah, it's how do we still find other options to, to collect out. So I think it was Greg Maddox that recently read a quote that said, essentially, like, hitters can pick up spin. They can pick up the spin deviations, right? But it's your ability to kind of move and change those velos that is really, really impactful, especially as you get older. And, and we know as you get older, velo is going to decrease. And hey, you got to find these other ways to do these things. Yeah, I, I saw that too. He was talking about an example of a car at a distance. You really mm -hmm. can't gauge how fast it's going, you know? And that's For sure. true. For you know, sure. I, well, I also, and, and Wayne, to double down on your point too, right? Like we're very fortunate. I'm fortunate to work with Juan Duran for the last, what we have now, five years. And arguably the hardest fastball in, in baseball. And like even he has to throw off speed at about a 50% clip, right? So, yeah. It's still the ability to manage or, or execute and find other ways to get out, ultimately, even yeah, with the yeah. elite, elite fastballs. Right. Years ago, they might call it pitching backwards for some guys, like like my son, for example. But that's a strategy for guys, too. Like, you know, you, it used to be only throw your fastball really hard, and then everything is off of that. Well, there are different strategies you can use. You don't have to just throw that fastball. That fastball could be like your put-away pitch. You know, there's different strategies, and it goes back to what we were talking earlier about knowing yourself and what your strengths are and how to use them, you know? For sure, definitely. You know, I've been thinking, too, that um, with everyone throwing hard nowadays, it seems to me that command is really now the separator, where it used to be like the high velo guys were abnormal, and they had success because guys hadn't seen that velocities. But it seems to me that 
there's a lot of guys throwing really hard. And what do you think separates guys, especially as you go from double A up? What do you see that makes a separator? Yeah, I think ultimately, again, knowing yourself, understanding what your strengths are um, is, is uber important. And ultimately, the more strengths you have, the more outlier skills you have, the better chance of success you have, you're, you're going to ultimately have. Um, but again, like there's pitchers in double A that we have currently that their ability to command the baseball has amplified their stuff. Right. So yeah. they might have slightly above average weeks of stuff, but it, it definitely is a, a maximizer of what your current skill set is. Um, at some level, like, cool, this guy might not have, have big league stuff right now, but as we continue to develop and work through different things, that, that command skill is going to further amplify any gains we make in stuff. So for me, it's, it's definitely an, an amplifier, a maximizer, a multiplier of your pure stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, movement and character and all the other things we talked about. I think, I think too often when guys are like high school and uh, maybe into college, they get so enamored with throwing hard. uh, They really haven't talked with people like you and other guests I've had on the show, which will tell them that, well, you need velo, you need high velo, but you need movement, you need command. And kind of the show we're promoting that you have to have all those things. You should, you can't push one lever up. Velo, velo, velo. You need to push every like. Uh, do you talk about that with your pitchers when you get them in? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like I'll give you an example right now. When I was in Double A in 2019, we had Jawan Duran, Bruce Argradoral, and then a guy you probably never heard of, Edward Queen. They all threw a hundred. Uh-huh. What made Juan Duran and, and Bruce Argrado so special was their ability just to command the strike zone and put their pitches where they need to with those extreme velocities. Mm-hmm. The name you've never heard of, he made, I think he threw a total of five pitches in the big leagues. And he just didn't have that skill set. Obviously, the stuff and, and the pure veal allowed him to get that opportunity. But we had to work through different ways on how do we maximize his ability to look at these balls. Because at, at some point, the stuff just doesn't. Yeah, doesn't I, I've had a number of coaches on this show that would say uh like even steve merriman from the rays was saying uh, i i got guys that get released at 98 all the time you know he says i paid the guy 100 you'd never heard of him, just like you said and uh i hope guys watch this show and realize that that yes you should you know pursue trying to throw harder but don't do it at the expense of you know, not doing the other things you need as well. For sure. The way, the way we view it too, is like, why can't these things be trained simultaneously? Obviously you're going to, you're going to, you're going to bias the scale to one side, VLO versus man, you're going to bias it one way versus the other, but there should be inherent properties and skills that are being developed in both. What part is control and command played in the development of your pitchers? And how has that evolved over over the years that you've been a pitcher? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing when you talk about command and control is understanding the underlying skills that you're trying to affect, right? Like, I think you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna talk about this a little bit more in terms of like the physical differences or even the mental differences. And I think there's also other buckets of problems that ultimately show up as command, but it's understanding what skill we're actually trying to affect in terms of command. Right. There's mm-hmm. there's underlying properties that go into that skill of being able to locate your pitch where you want to. And whether that be physical, whether that be mental, whether it be your, you have a poor feedback system, whether that be your 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 vision. Right. These things all play a part in command and understanding. Yeah. Okay, 
what it, where are we deficient and how do we attack these different buckets to ultimately affect control and command? Well, in your experience, like what have you seen with like, I've seen a lot of guys throw, like we talked about really hard, 95 and higher. And I've seen a lot of them get released. I've seen some go on to have good careers. Uh, how did they manage to get <clears throat> command? And like, like what kinds of things did you work on it to kind of get them to control? Like everyone's heard about Nolan Ryan when he came up, which is wild. And he managed to find a control and became a great pitcher. Yep. Yeah, no, I think, again, thinking through those buckets, it depends. Okay, does this guy have a huge bandwidth of movement, right? We know repeating mechanics is an necessary thing, but can they get into consistent positions and a consistent release, right? And attacking those through different strategies. And then there's, okay, is, is it a mental thing? Are these guys afraid of content? Do, can they not control their anxiety to arousal level? And okay, cool, how do we attack that? Is it, they have a bad feedback system. I think you'd be actually surprised on how many guys like think they know where the strike zone is and they throw a pitch and they're like, I thought that was a strike and the umpire doesn't raise his hand, right? So that that is another problem that needs to be solved as well. And then lastly, like there's a lot of research being done in basketball and golf on, on the ability to focus and focus your vision. And those are skills as well that need to be further Very developed. Good. It's just understanding where those guys are at and how do we amplify this guy's current stuff? Because that is the issue with pro ball in general is you still have to perform as you're developing. There is a base level performance and we are willing in some situations to take a couple of steps back in terms of performance to amplify the development, but that's not the case for every single player in our organization. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like the target was, uh, I wrote an article with uh, Harry Poblitis and a few other guys uh, called uh, the RoboZone. It's not as simple as you think. I don't know if you ever read that one. And in there, I defined the strike zone based on, I used army data of thousands of men. So the command tracker target is actually based on that dimensions, where that strike zone is. So if you practice to that zone, that's a zone you're going to have in a game. And I, I really believe that if guys practice to a zone they're going to have in a game, it becomes second nature when they get in a game. Uh, like sure. when people when people practice with like huge targets that are way up high, it's like, all right, it kind of helps them locate the pitch there. But now when they get the game, they have to adjust again because they haven't been practicing. What are your thoughts on that kind of thing? No, I think that's that's extremely vital, right? Again, we want to get our training as close to the performance environment as possible. In yeah. a perfect world, you're throwing every one of your bullpens with a in almost like a live BP setting with a umpire, but we know that's just not realistic with the population we're dealing with. So it's how can we influence the trading and make it as game-like as possible without it actually being a game and an umpire. And, and, and an objective strike zone is the the first the first thing we should really address. Yeah. Um, one topic that's come up here a few times is what do you think about this? Can injury or fatigue be detected earlier by monitoring command? Meaning that most guys know if a guy loses control, you that something's going on with the pitcher. Either he's tired or he's injured. But the idea was that command is a more fine skill. <clears throat> and maybe if it's it's degrading, you can detect injury or fatigue before it gets to the level of control causing issues, you know? For sure. Yeah. And we've, we've 
we as an organization have tried to push a lot of other things to measure fatigue, but there is definitely some signal here, whether you're looking at like, okay, this guy's got a huge variance in his mechanics, right? Or even he's got huge variance in his normal VLOs, right? He might be averaging 91, but he's anywhere from 95 to 87, right? It's, what's going on there? Additionally, like the movement of the pitches, that's going to tell you, okay, his hand is getting to a different spot at release, um, or his mm -hmm. fingers are acting with the ball differently or things like that. Um, also, like, I think talking with players and understanding where they're at in terms of the recovery is a signal of, of that can, we can get to prior to actual performance of, of a guy degrading in terms of fatigue or and show, that's showing up with command or control issues. Um, and additionally, like players, you're around them all the time. You know how they interact with you. You know how they generally are. Some guys are kind of stick themselves in the clubhouse and other guys will are very much more outgoing and happy all the time. And when you see big deviations in that, there's definitely some signal there as well. Okay, is there something else going on? Yeah, because, you know, in uh, the minor leagues, everyone wants to move up. So they're hesitant to tell you that anything is wrong because they don't want to miss an opportunity. Yet, if they spoke up sooner, they might have less of an injury or a problem. If You know what I mean? I think yep. that's a... Uh, so the idea was that command maybe could be used as a way of telling, hey, you could tell the, take the guy aside and say, listen, uh, we think something's going on. What, you know, kind of maybe get him to say what's going on. For sure. For sure, yeah. You know, no, I definitely think there's some signal there to, to be claimed because to your point, right, it's a, it's a slippery slope. As soon as a uh, guy starts feeling fatigued or banged up, he doesn't want to talk because to your point, he's going to miss an opportunity to possibly move. He's not going to get to perform. And then it just, yeah, it just keeps piling on of, okay, instead of being out for a week, now you're out for a month. That That's what I was getting at. Yeah. It was like, maybe you could help avoid these larger injuries, you know? For sure. You know? No, definitely. Uh, you know, my friend Emo from the A's, he's always talking about uh, make better pitches instead of trying to make your pitches better. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about players are always focusing on this stuff and not enough where the, their current stuff plays. I've seen pitchers, and I'm sure you have, that have don't have elite stuff, but they have elite command and knowledge of how to use that command, get better results than guys who had better stuff. Have you you've seen that kind? Of, I've seen it so many times. Oh, for sure, definitely, definitely. And I think, yeah, you see that where guys again continue to amplify their stuff and multiply that based on their current stuff and understanding too in, in training, like what are we focusing on. Is it a lot of guys will focus just on pure stuff development? It's like, hey, hey, okay. And this is something that I stole from Pete Mackey, that Pete Mackey stole from from uh, Derek Johnson, right? It's it's splitting up your bullpens. Like, are you over the rubber working on delivery, different movement things, like shapes, different things like that, or are you over the plate where we're competing, we're trying to execute our pitches at a high level? And that's just again, baseball in this world we live in is very much collecting ideas, regurgitating ideas that you've stolen from somebody else. And that's came directly well, from yeah. DJ. Emo was talking to a bunch of high school players recently. And, and this is uh, kind of odd. He asked him, what's the job of a pitcher? What does a pitcher need to do? And they were all raising their hands. <clears throat> you got to throw harder. You got to have more spin. You got to do this. And then he wrote on the blackboard, O-U-T. <laughs> and it was... I think sometimes guys forget what their purpose is, which is to get out with the least amount of runs. 
And it's not to get the, the highest velo, the highest spin, the most movement. It's to get out. And I think when they – and maybe that's a mental thing, but they lose focus of the goal. How do you keep them focused on the goal, not just the metrics? Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And it and it's ultimately goes back to clearly defining your scoreboard. What are you gaming for as an organization that's going to filter down to the coaches, that's going to filter down to the players, and making that clear and concise and something that is continued to be regurgitated is the most important thing. Because to Emo's point, at the end of the day, like we as a pitching staff are trying to collect those 27 outs as quickly and efficiently as possible. Right. We want to win games, right? Yeah. Yes. It's like <clears throat> one of my favorite physicists was uh, Richard Feynman. Mm. And he had a great saying, which he said, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how great your theory is. If it's not proven by experiment, it's wrong. You know, and so when I see guys chasing metrics or movement patterns, it's like, well, if the guy isn't getting results from it, it's wrong. Like, you know, the end goal is really what we're after. So you have to have that feedback loop to figure out, well, is your process right? And I think too often guys are too stuck in the process to have a loop back to figure out, is it really getting us towards the goal? You know, for sure. For sure. And it, yeah, it goes back to what is your scoreboard, right? Like, what are we defining as success? And when I took over, again, Pete had his eight or nine core principles. And mine was the first thing I did was, hey, let's define the scoreboard for everybody. Make sure we're all on the same page of what we're gaming for. Um, because then there's no cognitive distance between like, why am I not moving? My stuff's better than this guy's. I'm striking out more guys than this guy's. My ERA or my batting average kids are better. Hey, what's the scoreboard? And that's what we're gaming for because that's the best predictor of your future success. Yeah, I like that because then guys have a clear objective. You know, if I meet these goals, I'm moving up the ladder. You For know, sure. Otherwise, they kind of sit there and they, okay, what do I do? Do I, I, I got to throw harder or I got to spin more or, you know? Yep. And understanding that like whatever we're working on from a development is to amplify your, your ability to get those outs, right? That's what we're trying to do. I also talked a little bit about I kind of think there are two approaches that a pitcher can take, uh, reactive and kind of proactive, meaning that the reactive is uh, watching the batter, what he takes, what he flinches, and then throwing to that. I, I know you have to do that, uh, but I kind of think that you can be proactive and you can throw certain pitch patterns that will cause the result, meaning that certain pitch combinations it's kind of like in boxing you have uh uh and you have in wrestling and in football you have all these different plays and patterns in in martial arts but it seems to me like in pitching there ought to be certain patterns that you could teach your pitchers that they have a toolbox if you if you can't read the batter well here we can make him do certain things you know yeah definitely no, I think that's I think that's a great point. And I always look at it through I think there's both there's room for both, right? I think in the world of hitting, you get the Joey Gallows who have a clear distinguished hole. And it's like, okay, we can maximize these right. pitches in this area. Again, he might cheat to him every once in a while, so we gotta show him something else. But hey, like there's a clear defined hole. And then I was fortunate enough to be around Louis Arias uh, enough to where it's like that guy is if you have a consistent attack plan on him. He's going to figure it out. He can make those adjustments. I think too many times 
we as pitching coaches or we as baseball coaches in general think everybody is a true bat to ball guy versus okay they have a clearly defined swing with holes and understanding who each guy is is going to determine how we attack those things whether it is a pre-scripted plan versus a i gotta read how he's reacting to this because louis for example is literally guessing every pitch what you're throwing yeah because you see a lot of guys go in at the end of hat they've got the heat map and you know where you're going to throw pitches and that that's useful but i still think sometimes you need to set a guy up even if you know his weakness you need to set him up so that you can now throw the out pitch to his weak spot you know that kind of thing for sure no doubt it's it's like we talked about a little bit earlier right like that idea of command allows us to amplify our ability to get back to our strength our strengths are slider we can't just sit there and feed sliders most hitters are going to make an adjustment, especially with two strikes. So it's like absolutely, if they get to something else, then they go back to it. Right, and it comes. Com- I I always think you have to command all your pitches, and if you don't, uh, I don't count you having that pitch. <laughs> you know, because yeah, you know, very interesting you know, because like you know, high school and college, you can get by with a lot, and in the low level of minors, you can get by with a lot of things. But as I saw, when you get to double A and up. You got to be sharp. You've got to have more than to like a separator at double A. It's like very stark. Have, have you seen that? Oh, for sure. For sure. You have to have, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Lane. At the end of the day, like, I tell our pitchers this all the time I can't assess your stuff until you get in the straight zone because the hitters are going to tell me whether it's good or not. Right. Yeah. And, and- yeah. I love that. A lot of guys say that the hitters tell you if your pitches are good or not. Yeah. And and I'll 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 piggyback off a comment I heard from Mike Quaddy um, about five years ago when I took this job with the Twins. He's like, my ability or I assess whether a pitcher's good or not is if they can generate swing and miss in the strike zone at the yeah, big league level. And that's coming from a well, former big league manager. Well, for me, I'm a little I'm a little bit different than a lot of guys. Where uh, one of my friends at the Yankees, Jesse Drushel, we always talked about this was. Um, my thing is, if if I might a pitcher throw three pitches and get three weak ground outs to the shortstop, I love it. Meaning that I'm not just about swing and miss. It's like if I get really weak contact and I'm out of the game in three inning and three pitches, uh, I love that. Uh, most guys are trying for the strikeout, but it's like you can't strike out 27 guys in the game. You're going to have to have some ground outs. You're going to have to be efficient with your pitches. Because if you strike a guy out, usually it's going to be five or six pitches. For sure. Yep. And you can't you strike know. a guy out and pitch one, right? Yeah. So do you train your starters differently than your relievers in that respect? Meaning, you know, you're trying to get them to uh, stay longer in the game. So it's not always going for the strikeout. Yeah. I, I think the starters, it's more of a more of you, you focus a little bit more on game theory of like, okay, can we keep them guessing? Can we keep them off balance? Do we have multiple pitches we can command in the strike zone um, that generate soft contact or swing and miss versus relievers? It's more of, Hey, we're going to really, really game for your strength. Here. This plan is to maximize your strength. And, and inherently with the starters, that is still something we very much focus on, but understanding there's a little bit more decision process because we know ultimately as the guy goes through the order multiple times and they start to understand and recognize your pitches, they're going to be inherently better at, at getting yeah, to and that's what, And that's also where sequencing comes in because you go through the order. If you're still using the same sequencing, you're in trouble. 
if you need to mix it up again. And then for relievers, right, you bring in a guy at uh, bases loaded, two outs, you want a strikeout. So his mentality and, and training is go in and get the strikeout. I get that. But as far as winning a game, I don't think you can really win games with a bunch of relievers. You won't have enough arms. <laughs> Maybe we win the first game of the series, but, you know. So uh, I had Peter Gammons on, uh, I guess, two weeks ago, and he was lamenting about that as well. He said, are we, are we raising a generation of relievers when we still need starters, you know? Yeah, no, and I think to your point, exactly right. Even those relievers that are coming in those high leverage situations, we still value at a high level, simple stats is like first pitch strikes, right? Are yeah. you getting to 0-2 or 1-2? Are you staying in those ahead counts, right? We want to we wanna maximize that. We want to force early contact. But when we get, get to those two strike counts, we want to end the at-bat the most efficient way we can. What, are, what do you think are some of the key physical things in delivery that affect command? Like some people will say, keeping your eyes on the target, elbows. Like, what are the, some of the things you look for that you see that guys have really good command? These are some qualities that I noticed that they have. Yeah, yeah. so talking about the physical, it's really like, are they pretty consistent in their mechanics, right? Are they getting consistently to those good positions? Um, again, are they picking up the target, whether that be – completely having focus on the target or, Hey, there's some sort of deviation where their head goes, but they do get back to the target. Um, I think also like their ability to control their body through space is extremely, extremely important. Yeah, like yeah. again, Jawan Duran, Bruce, Argraderal, they're throwing hard, they're moving extremely fast, but it looks extremely easy. Like yeah. I remember when, when, when Gatterall first made his debut, the pitching ninja would put all of his stuff of like, it looks like he's just walking down the street going 101. Yeah. Um, I've seen guys like that too. It's like, it's, it's, it's something to see, you know? Yeah. They're just, they're just under control all the time. Um, and really like those guys too, they don't get like the anxiety or the arousal level of the situation that doesn't, that doesn't interfere, interfere with anything they're doing. It's just calm, cool, collected. It could be game seven, of the world series bases loaded two outs, three, two count. And Jawan Duran just like, oh, whatever, let's go. Yeah. You know, that 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 ability to mentally focus is is huge, you know. Uh, what kind of training do you guys do for that? I know a lot of people like Dwarfman and people talk about how you have to, uh, Maddox and Halliday and others. Uh, what do you guys uh, tend to do? Yeah, we uh, we are fortunate to work with a, a group. It's called uh, Premier Psych Performance with the Twins. And they are extremely, extremely good at their jobs, and especially getting training done in an environment that's as close to the performance environment as possible, right? So whether it's breath work, whether it's self-talk, whether it's visualization, whether it's these different things that allow us to mitigate that anxiety that occurs when you step over the line or that arousal of again, getting boosted up when you step over the line. We practice all of these different um, tools in our in our practice setting at a high at a high anxiety or high arousal rate to where it's like hey this is as close in games as we can replicate in, or this is as close in practice as we can replicate in games let's now work on these strategies so when this shows up under the lights you have them and you practice them at a high level yeah that's huge i i think 
when you're using your targets, uh, you'll use them in multiplayer mode. I saw kind of like a, the amped up competition when you got three or four pitchers or more and they're in multiplayer mode competing against each other. It kind of, I didn't expect that, but it really amplified that intensity and that competition. And it, it brings that bullpen to another level, you know? Oh yeah. Put something on the line. These guys are the most competitive people in the world. We've yeah, got even if it's competing against them. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. You even if it's just bragging coach. rights. Yeah. Even if oh. it's just bragging rights, you know? No doubt. No doubt. It's no. so fun to watch because again, these guys are the ultimate competitor. That's, that's why they're in the position they're in. I saw another one that uh, Casey Mulholland at Kinetic Pro did with his guys. Uh, he let them pick their own zones. So like in command tracker, you could pick the zone and you throw to it and you get a score. And now the next pitcher comes up, he can choose his zones. And what he was doing was really brilliant uh, because it showed where guys had their most confident in with their area of the zone or a pitch. And so as a coach, he knows what they're afraid of. He would say, well, why aren't you picking low and in? And guys, well, because I'm not that confident low and in. Well, then as a coach, you know, okay, we got to work on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, so I think you can use in a competitive environment to, to uncover things you might not have had the pitcher tell you about where he feels comfortable. You know, yep. and you know, as a coach, if the things were – not comfortable in we that's where we want to be working you know for sure for sure yeah and again it goes to your point exactly what what casey was doing there it's like helping that player understand themselves at a deeper level as well can we present as many opportunities for that to where this guy and his player understands what they think they're good at what they're not good at so we can work on these things when we are developing player plans or things along those lines yeah uh how do the twins approach developing pitchers they draft in regard to uh, the scouting department, how, why they drafted them? Cause I have noticed a little change with some scouting guys I've had on where they're more closely following uh, the player development. So that player development is more mat matching why they drafted the guy. Do you guys kind of do that too? Yeah. Our, our scouting group led by Sean Johnson has done an incredible job of, understanding what we're really good at teaching and amplifying and maximizing and those problems and drafting players that fit into what we can solve at a high level. We're, we're always trying to solve everything. That's just nobody in baseball can do that. But if you can help us or, or find these players that we can further amplify, that gives us the best chance of success long-term. Yeah. Cause you were, if you draft a guy because he has a great slider or a great fastball, uh, you know, it used to be years ago, they bring him in immediately say, uh, okay, you're good, but this is how we do it. <laughs> and then they, yeah. they would ruin a guy, you know, that, that was the old way. And it's nice to see uh, most teams have kind of turned that around to, to like your approach, like let's work with the, the quality, why we drafted them, you know? Yep. Yeah. We want to maximize your strengths at the end of the day. And, and that's what all these strategies hopefully do. Um, we're always pushing those bounds of, of, of things we can impact, but there's things that, that we know inherently we're really, really good. Yeah. And guys can uh, move differently than other guys. Like uh, Emo had sent me some plots of guys. Uh, uh, it was a force plot. And he was trying to tell me which guy throws harder. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was trying to trick me. 
So I looked at it <laughs> and I, so I picked the guy, the guy with uh, hip to shoulder separation where it was uh, highest. I didn't pick him on purpose. I knew he was trying to make a point uh, that guys move differently. So some guys can get to certain positions where other guys can't, but they can generate high velo or, or some kind of qualities pitch in a different way and trying to find out how they move differently than others and maximizing that. That's a, that's a skill you would have as well. I think, you know, for sure. Yeah. We're always, we're always looking for that signal of, of what can this player do? How do we maximize that individual rather than um, historically we've just bucketed guys to like, Oh, you need to throw like no one run. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that just isn't, isn't real. Again, like, Jawan Duran versus Bruce Argrado, they both throw 100 plus, but they do it in completely different ways. Yeah. What would you say, uh, how would you describe a complete pitcher? Like, uh, what qualities would, if you were to say, if you want to be a complete pitcher, I'm not going to give you the list of things that I, I show at the end of the show yet. I just wanted to get your idea of what's a complete pitcher in your mind? What does that guy do differently than a guy who's not ready yet? Yeah, I think it, it inherently goes down to confidence in, in what they do extremely well, understanding how to maximize that and where on the spectrum they are in terms of do I inherently just go to my strengths or do I bias a little bit more towards the hitter's weaknesses? Um, understanding that at a high level and having confidence in your plan and your ability to execute that plan. Um, right? Like Pablo Lopez is a, is, is a great example of this. guy had a huge breakout year. When he goes and he's ready to attack a hitter, like he is very confident in his plan, is able to make adjustments based on what he's seeing, but knows ultimately he's trying to get back to his strength, which is his changeup. He knows, hey, I have great spin pitches. I have a good fastball. I can't just rely solely on those. My best pitch is my changeup. I want to, how do I get back to that to ultimately get as many outs as quickly as possible? Right. That That's the proactive uh, version of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, <laughs> You know, the batter has some str strengths and weaknesses, and you have some. And it's kind of this chess match of trying to get a combination of pitches to get you to be able to throw that pitch that you have the most confidence and success with, you know? For sure. For sure. And the best do that, whether it's Pablo or Sonny or those guys have just been fortunate to be around. Like, it's 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 incredible to be around those types of players. Yeah, well, with Sonny, it's been nice to watch because I saw him at a, a, a number of different teams. And... uh <laughs> You know, and then when he went to Twins, it just took off. And and you like to see that because he seems like a nice guy, you know. Incredible dude. And his level of preparedness is it's incredible. It's sitting there a few times throughout the year in the in the dugout with him as he, he's getting prepared the next day to pitch, what he's watching, what he focuses on. It's it's incredible to be around. Yeah. Uh at at every show, I, I put a list up of qualities that I'm gonna show on the screen that you'll be able to see. <laughs> Uh, of what I think a pitcher needs. And I kind of keep track of like what people have been saying, like, what are their top four? So I'm going to show you the list. And if you would please just pick your top four that uh, you think are the most important. I know that all of them are important. And that if you had all of them, you'd have a Nolan Ryan or a, a Jacob DeGrom, you'd have a Scherzer. If you, but if you had to pick only the top four, what would you choose? Now, so I'm going to put it on the screen for people to see, and I'll read it out loud for people who are only listening. And they are character, command, changing speeds, movement, 
max velocity, sequencing, reading batters, mental toughness, and know who you are. So what would be your top four? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, uh, this is a great list. And like you said, if, if uh, you could pick all eight, you'd have, or all nine, I'm sorry, you could have uh, a Jacob DeGrom, a Scherzer, one of those premier pitchers in baseball. I think ultimately, as I'm viewing this list, there's, there's some things that there's, there's like, know who you are for me is number one. Um, I actually think there's a few other qualities that go into that, that if you know who you are, ultimately you're going to have, you're going to understand your character. You're going to understand your mental toughness. Um, number two for me would be command. Um, ultimately, again, I can't assess your stuff until you're in the strike zone. Um, right. Max velocity for me, again, like command is an amplifier of max velocity. Um, right. It's going to further multiply your ability to have success at those higher levels. And then lastly, yeah, movement. Movement is your ability to have those some unique qualities um, and get to some shapes and pitches that others can't is, is inherently more predictive of your success long-term as well. Yeah, I like your number one because that's a that's a really big one for me. <clears throat> uh, I always talk about <clears throat> before any game with my son, I always text him, good luck, be you, command a mix. And the be you part is, you know, you're not, you know, some flamethrower. You're not Nolan Ryan. You're not Maddox. You're you, be you. And I think if guys stick with what they do really good, do it great, and then add on other things to that as well. It's like knowing who you are and being staying true to that, you will have success. Especially if you've been drafted, there's a quality they saw in you that could have success. So, you know, don't stay, don't go away from that, you know. Yep. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're Jordan Carr, right? Like, cool, you might be feeling really good today, you might be able to reach back for 95, but you know. That's not what where success comes from you. It's your ability to mix, ability to change shapes and change or put pitches in different spots. Like that's what your strength is. Let's amplify that. And cool, if you can reach back for 95, that's another tool in the tool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Justin, it's been great having you on the show. And uh, I always look forward to talking to you. Yeah, definitely. You as well. This, is, this has been great. It's made me think a little bit deeper. Um, so yeah, really appreciate you inviting me on the show and really appreciate your time here. Right. Sure, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This was, right, uh, this was a great on the show. Awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks, Wayne. Bye. Don't forget to hit subscribe to get notified when new episodes are released. Pitching Command Show, brought to you by Command Tracker, the smart target that MLB and D1 teams rely upon to measure and train command. Many throw hard, but few command. Visit commandtracker.com.